Hi there, you're listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon, The Best Gift Ever, is from 29 December 2019. The scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It was delivered by music and youth director Melissa Mellinger. Thank you for listening, and may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I love presents. That's my love language. Giving and getting gifts makes me feel loved. When I was a kid, I agonized. Agonized for weeks over my letter to Santa every year. I wanted to make sure that he knew exactly what I wanted so that I wasn't disappointed. This year, Pete got me a pair of earrings that I love. I have worn them every day since Christmas. But I also handed him an index card that had my favorite stone, my favorite color, my ring size, (laughs) and my shoe size written on it so he could not make a mistake. Because I've been burned before. My grandmother was terrible at gifts. For my 16th birthday, she gave me this little wooden plaque, about that big, with a small cartoony child painted on it. It didn't hold any sentimental value. I was not into wooden plaques with cartoony children. It was clearly something for a small child. It didn't look like me. There was no card to go along with it to explain why she got it. And there was still the 25 cent sticker on it from the garage sale she'd picked it up at. (laughs) Instead of making me feel loved, it did the opposite. How many of you watched a a Christmas story this week? Not very many. It's a classic. Did anyone watch it more than once? I did. We watched it twice. I love the Christmas morning scene. Ralphie Parker is nine years old, and he has spent the entire movie telling people exactly what he wanted for Christmas. He wanted a Red Ryder BB gun, with a compass and a stock and a thing that tells time. He told his mom. He wrote an essay about it for his teacher. He told Santa Claus. And every one of them told him that he'd shoot his eye out. But come Christmas morning, Ralphie still holds out hope. And he races down to the living room with his little brother to open the gifts under the tree. When he gets to a present from Aunt Clara, Ralphie ominously tells us that Aunt Clara suffers from the delusion that Ralphie is a four-year-old girl. And with a, with a horrified face, he pulls out a set, a set of pajamas out of the box, a set of pink bunny pajamas, the full onesie, complete with floppy ears and paws and feet. While Ralphie sits looking horrified and tragically heartbroken, his family laughs. And to make matters worse, his mother tells him that he has to go try the pajamas on. Because Aunt Clara put a lot of thought into his gift. It's clear that Aunt Clara put absolutely no thought whatsoever into that gift. I want you all to close your eyes for a minute. And imagine a big, huge Christmas tree in the middle of heaven. Picture all of God's children, you, me, everyone here this morning, all your friends, 
Picture us running toward the tree to find the box with our name on it. While we're all opening and enjoying our gifts, God is sitting by the big fireplace, smiling and laughing because he knows us so well that he knows exactly what each of us needs. He's not like weird Aunt Clara with the pajamas or like my grandma with the garage sale junk. He's giving you a personalized gift that's perfect for you because he knows you better than anyone and he knows what's best for you. You can open your eyes. I hope you all saw that tree and got the best present ever. First Corinthians tells us that if you have a personal relationship with God, you have been given at least one spiritual gift. There are at least 20 that I've gone through with Young Church. I'll list them now. It's a quick list. Administration, apostleship, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helping, hospitality, interpretation, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, pastoring, prophecy, teaching, tongues, and wisdom. Paul touches on many of those things in the passage that I read earlier. If you're not sure what your gifts are, there's a spiritual gifts test on a table in the, in the foyer that's available after the service. I encourage you all to pick one up. Some of you I see have already picked them up. Sue cheated. But most of us, at this point in our lives, we know what our gifts are. I have the gift of hospitality. I love hosting things like the cookie exchange or having people over for dinner. Some of you excel at administration, making sure that everything is organized and efficient. I am not that person. I think I scored a three in that section of, three out of 20 in that section of the test. I know personally that many of you have the gift of encouragement. Some of you are great leaders or teachers. Paul tells us that we all have to work together. Some people speak in tongues, and other people have the gift of interpretation. Those two gifts go together. We can't all have the gift of evangelism, because if all of us went out of here to share the gospel with the world around us, and then brought them back and there was no one here to teach, that wouldn't really build the community of God. So why are we given spiritual gifts? We're given them to serve God. God didn't give me a gift of hospitality so that I could throw fancy dinner parties for my friends. I do, but that's not why he gave me the gift. He gave me the gift so that I could sit at a table in fellowship with my friends and my family and my loved ones without feeling anxious or awkward. So that I could help kids feel loved and known at Young Church. He gave me the gift so that I could bake dairy-free goodies for our new pastor to help him feel welcome and accepted. Our gifts are not for us. We don't get to hoard them to ourselves. Hospitality, it literally means making other people feel welcome. God gave us other things to work with, to work with our gifts so that we can serve him. He gave us a heart full of passion, abilities, and a unique personality, and experiences that make up who we are. We're gonna talk about those for a few minutes. 
What do you love to do? When you have a completely free day, there's no responsibilities on the horizon, what do you choose to do that's not sleep? I'm looking at you, Skylar. You would, though. What hobbies do you have? I love to crochet. I've been taking a break recently because we've got a new cat, and she loves to run my yarn up and down the halls. If I forget to put it away at night, I'll wake up to find yarn down the hall, through the kitchen, around the table a couple times, back through the Christmas tree. And finally, she puts the end right outside the bedroom door so that at least I can find it. But even with my menace of a cat, I still love to crochet. What do you love to do? Does anyone want to yell something out? Nobody has hobbies. Hmm? Garden. Karen loves the garden. Fish. Thank you, Rick. Sewing. All excellent hobbies. Who do you love to serve? I love to make things for my friends. John and Katie got crocheted nose warmers for Christmas because I knew they were going to Canada and it was going to be cold. And also because they looked totally ridiculous and I made sure to take pictures of them and somehow I will get them onto the screen so you all can see them because they look so silly. I also love to serve teenagers. I love working with them. I love praying for them and listening to their stories and helping them to build a relationship with God. That's my passion. Being passionate about something is a good thing. It's a very good thing. God gave us these interests and made each of us differently. Did you know that in addition to your fingerprints, your heartbeat is unique from anyone else on the planet? There are 7.7 billion people out there and none of them is exactly like you. In the same way, God created each of you with a unique emotional heartbeat, one that races when you think about the subjects and activities and circumstances that interest you. You care about some things, but you don't care about others. That's passion. It reveals the nature of your heart and can provide clues where you might want to begin serving. Are there causes that are important to you? Something special that makes your heart beat faster when you think about it. My sister is a nurse, and she has a heart for serving people who otherwise wouldn't receive medical care. She works every day in a prison. She takes care of the inmates, and when she goes on vacation, she goes to places like Haiti and spends her week in small villages in a tent giving care to children and adults who desperately need it. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are unique, individual masterpieces created by God. None of us are the same. Each of us is created with different passions. Your path is going to look different from my path, and my path looks different from my sister's path or my friend's path. So God made us passionate about our interests and people and causes. But he also gave us all special abilities, a mix of talents that are unique to us. What are you naturally good at? 
I know each of you is really good at something. Skylar made the pendant that I'm wearing today. How cool is that? He knows how to blacksmith. So cool. Larry is great at playing the trumpet. AJ was here last week, and he tells me that he is an amazing baker. He hasn't let me, like, test that yet. He's not baked anything for me, but he insists that it's true. Doreen makes beautiful cards. Every time I get one, I'm excited to see it. Every day, each one of us wakes up and makes an important daily choice. Will I use my talents for God's benefit or for my own benefit? In fact, we probably make that choice more than once each day without even thinking about it. The talents you have can point you toward what God may want you to do with your life. They're clues for you. God doesn't waste abilities. Actually, he often matches our passions with our abilities. I'm passionate about music, so God gave me some talent for performing. When I cook, this is a secret that you guys can't tell anyone else, but when I cook, I host a fake cooking show in my head. And I teach the audience in my head and my dog how to make the best spaghetti ever. So God gave me a talent for cooking and creating and coaching. My dog is aces at making spaghetti now. What are you passionate about? Does it match up with your talents? Whatever you're naturally good at and love to do is what I want you to think about. Because when you discover it, when you, when you figure out what you're good at, you can add it to the mix of your spiritual gifts and your passions as you consider how God will use you. A friend of mine had a woman named Annie who was helping out at their church. Annie was part of the youth music team because she was a decent singer and she didn't mind doing it. She liked it, but she didn't love it. What she loved was art. As she worked with the youth group, she started to notice that there were a number of teens in the group that used art to worship God. But each one of them felt like they were the only ones who worshiped that way. They felt alone in their talent. So Annie quit the music team and started an art ministry. It helped teenagers show their love and their awe for God in new and creative ways. Annie's talent helped others grow closer to God. And at the same time, she was more fulfilled than ever before. She liked her music role. It was okay, but she really loved her art role. She made a switch and everybody won. As you think about your own talents and abilities, it's important to consider not just what you can do, but what you love to do. Think about that thing that if you had to do it forever, you'd be happy. As you leave today, I mentioned earlier that there's a table outside with a packet on it. The packet has the spiritual gifts test like I mentioned. It has a list of causes that you might be passionate about and a list of abilities. It's not a complete list, it's only 50 things. But before you look at the list, I want you to first consider these three responses you could give to each item. You love it. 
You can't imagine living without that activity. You like it. You enjoy it. You don't need to do it regularly to feel satisfied. Or you could live without it. These things, they leave you tired and disappointed in comparison to the things that you love doing. Life is too short to settle for the things that you just like or the things that you could do without. Why not focus on the things that you love? Imagine a life that's defined by doing what you love to do. God has given you the tools to make a difference with your life. So go out and make a difference. In addition to giving you interests and skills, God also made you who you are. He gave you your unique personality with the intention of using it to bring others to him. Your packet includes a brief personality test. When you understand how you tick, it makes it easier to figure out how to use that to serve. I understand that I don't like being in huge crowds. This is perfect for me. So my work for God happens in our little church and not at a mega church with 200 teenagers. I'm not saying that if God were to grow our little church to 200 teenagers, I wouldn't, he wouldn't also grow me to handle that. But for right now, I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. We're all different people. I prefer to sit alone at lunch reading, and, reading a book and eating my lunch. Some people prefer to be the center of attention, surrounded by crowds. These two extremes and the people in between, they reflect that God designed all of us to be different people with unique to us personalities. There's no right or wrong personality for being used by God. The church needs all kinds of personalities because God values variety. I'm in a Facebook group with thousands of other youth workers. There's something like 9,800 workers there. Some of them have huge groups. They're outgoing and they thrive on noise and activity and really gross games. Some of them have tiny groups of like two or three kids that focus solely on Bible study. All of us are doing God's work. All of us have the same goal to bring teens to Jesus. But we all go about it in different ways. God has created you for great works. You don't have to settle for merely good works. In other words, if you're a square peg, don't settle for round holes. And if you're a round peg, keep away from the square holes. The simplest way I can say it is be yourself. Don't try to copy someone else's personality. Be the best you. You honor God when you accept your unique personality and you use it for his glory. Just be you, the way that God created you. The final gift that God has given us is our life experiences. We're not taught as kids to look back and reflect on past experiences. A five-year-old doesn't think, I wet my pants at school last week. I wonder if that could lead to a life of public embarrassment if I continue in that direction. Five-year-olds don't think like that. But as we grow and as we mature, 
it's important to learn from our past events. Getting in the habit of having some reflection time, no matter how uneventful that time may seem, will benefit your life as you continue to develop into a person, into the person that God wants you to be. You have the capability to review, process, examine, and grow from your past experiences. The learning that you receive from a past event can be used by God to help others. And that's true even for experiences that causes pain. God doesn't waste hurts. We're going to take a few minutes to reflect on past experiences, starting with the good, the mountaintop moments, the moments that brought you lots of satisfaction and joy, regardless of what other people might think of them. If winning a pickle-eating competition at the fair is one of your greatest achievements, that's great. God loves you and your uniqueness. We'll touch on five areas, and I'll give you a few moments after each one to think about your experiences. The first is family. Do you have some special moments from your family life that are really meaningful? And friends. Some of your greatest and most defining experiences have probably happened with close friends. How about work? We spend such a large portion of our lives at work. What significant experiences have happened there? How about your hobbies? Maybe you found joy or success in sports or music or a volunteer community or artistic involvement. And finally, your spiritual life. Maybe you were moved at summer camp as a kid or at a special retreat. Maybe you've been on a mission trip or you found a fresh way to live out your faith and make a difference in the world around you. Or maybe it was the moment that you decided to follow Jesus. And now let's think about the painful moments. I know that reflecting on painful moments can be difficult. I don't like doing it either. It's not fun to think about the ways that you've been hurt. But if you're serious about discovering your uniqueness, and if you're serious about being used by God, you'll need to be willing to review the tough moments. You need to understand that your painful past events have helped to define who you are today. I'm not talking about the little stuff, like when you stubbed your toe last night or you dropped your ice cream. I'm talking about the experiences that pushed you to your limit. Serious stuff like abuse, rejection, betrayal, eating disorders, extreme loneliness, addictions, illness, violence, divorce, death, accidents. I'm talking about the hardest times in your life. I've worked with people long enough to know that even someone who seems happy and trouble-free, they usually have some deep pain in their heart. And I'm asking you right now to get specific with your painful list. So take a few moments and think about this. 
What are your painful memories? As you continue to think about your experiences from your life, I encourage you to look for how those, to look for how those events might suggest ways that you could serve God. You may find that reflecting on these moments, you'll see ways in which your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, and your personality have all been connected to your defining moments. You are God's original masterpiece. Each one of you was created by God with a specific purpose. Within his artwork is a design for a specific and unique contribution that only you can make. So what are you going to do with these gifts that God has given you? Are you going to hoard them to yourself? Or are you going to step out of here this morning and actively look for a way to God, for a way for God to use you in the world? <laughs>